We're starting a new series today. Um, yeah. Woo! Let's give it up for the new series. Come on. Loneliness is an epidemic in the West. One-person households are the fastest-growing household in New Zealand. Currently, they're around 24% of all households are one-person households, and it's growing. Um, from Statistics New Zealand surveys in 2010 and 2014, they reckon that they, they say that one in three people in New Zealand experienced some form of loneliness in the last four weeks. One in three. And loneliness was highest in the younger age groups, from 15 to 29 years. This is a quote from Statistics New Zealand. They said, finally, the results also show people who have not had face-to-face contact with their family and friends in the last week were more likely to feel lonely compared with people who had contact with their family and friends. This was consistent across all stages of life. It's unsurprising, really, um, that there's a correlation between being with people uh, that you love and who love you and feeling uh, lonely. It's, it's unsurprising, but it's an, it's an epidemic nonetheless in our, in our nation. And perhaps you identify with it. Perhaps you think, yeah, I can identify that. Perhaps you don't. But if it's one in three, then I know that you all know someone who, who's affected by this. And I think if we're honest, we would, we would recognize it in ourselves, that there are times that we feel isolated, we feel lonely, that we feel forgotten, that we feel uh, disconnected or, or misunderstood by others, which is one of the reasons that we're doing this new series. Our series is called Together, Together. Together, Together. Now, it's called Together, Together for the very good reason that you can be together in the same place, but not together in the spirit, not as one. And it's, it's, it's around the, that idea of being lonely. Sometimes you're, you're the loneliest when you're in a crowd. Some, some of the, the loneliest times in my life have when I've been at a, at a conference and I'm surrounded by all these people and they're all talking to one another and I'm standing there going, oh, nobody's talking to me. I'm feeling a bit lonely. Uh, yeah, it's true though, isn't it? And there's a sense that we can be together, but not together together. And so this, this series, we're, we're, we're going to unpack over the next few weeks what it means to be together together. And uh, today I'm talking about a very simple concept, just the simple concept of gathering. Just, just gathering. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad we gathered today. There is, it, it, it seems very, you know, simple, but unless you gather, you can't be together, right? Unless you gather, you can't be together. And, and we, we forget that uh, as a church sometimes. I think uh, we, 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 we don't place enough um, emphasis on just the importance of just coming Together, and, I, and I'm not just talking today about coming to church. And it would be very easy for me to just to, to preach a, a sermon as the pastor, and you to think, "Oh, Dave just wants lots of people to come to church because it looks good on his stats, and uh, he's the pastor, and so of course he wants people to come to church." Uh, yes, I want you to come to church, but gathering is so much more than that. It's it's about connecting with people. 
And it goes beyond just this space. I'm going to see these four walls, but it's like a funny-shaped building. Uh, it goes beyond just coming together in this space. It's into our e-groups when we meet together uh, during the week. It's, it's having coffee or, oh, coffee. Oh, don't remind me. Uh, who's enjoying the fast at the moment? Yeah, woo, coffee. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I tell you what, I've had some great times with God, though. It's been worth it. Uh, but it's, it goes to coffee, to having lunch, to connecting with one another in a deeper way. And, uh, and I think it's really important that we, we talk about this. Um, and so don't just switch off and go, well, I'm here at church today, so I've gathered, so tick. Uh, I don't need to listen. Because my heart is that you will, you'll capture something this morning. Because I know from experience, I can, I can give you the most convincing arguments as to why we should gather. And yet nothing will change unless you get a revelation from the Holy Spirit. Actually, I need to do this. And so that is my prayer. And why don't we, I just want to pray right now, just in this moment. Father, I thank you that we are gathered here today. I thank you for this awesome gathering. And God, I pray that the importance of coming together would, would go deep down into our hearts this morning. That you would speak by your Holy Spirit. That, that, that my words would fall away and God, you would come and you would breathe and you would minister. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the first gathering ever was God. There's this thing called the Trinity. Uh, and, and it's a gathering. It's the community of God. It's, uh, it's incredible. Like There's a, this cool word called perichoresis. It means uh, kind of the, the dance or the, the coming around. And it's basically the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit interacting with one another. It's the first gathering. It's the initial gathering. And from that, God created us. He created Adam, and, uh, and that was very good, but, but he realized that, that Adam needed uh, to be with other people, and so he created Eve, and that the first gathering was begun, and, and, and throughout the Old Testament, gatherings happen. Very soon after that, uh, the, there's this gathering that the, the people get together, and they build, start to build a tower. It's called the Tower of Babel, and, and God realizes the power in that gathering, and actually, he's like, well, this is, it's good that they're gathering, but they're not doing it around the right reasons. And, uh, and so he, and that's why he, he stopped that and he scattered uh, the nations and, and they all had different languages from that point. But throughout the Old Testament, we see the people of God, the people of Israel, gathering. Uh, right from, from when Abraham is set aside, the people gather and the nation of Israel is formed and, and they're told together. Uh, God stipulates that they need to gather seven feasts in a year, three pilgrimages uh, to Jerusalem. And then eventually they had weekly uh, Sabbaths where they would meet together in the synagogue. And what I find really fascinating actually about this is that God stipulated that they needed to worship in the temple. Uh, originally there was the, the tabernacle, the tent, and, and then they, they settled in Jerusalem and and Solomon built the temple, and God said, this is a place my eye will always be upon it. And you're to, to, to meet together just here. But then the people went into exile. They were taken away by the Babylonians. And, and for several generations, they're away from the temple. And it's at that point that they start meeting together in synagogues, that they start gathering together. And it's interesting because 
If God was going to stick to the word of the law, he would say, well, you shouldn't be doing that. I told you to worship in the temple. Smite. And, uh, and, and be angry with them. But he doesn't. You don't actually hear anything about it. And so synagogue worship happens, just weekly coming together. Uh, for the Jewish people happens, and then they move back to Jerusalem, uh, to, to Israel, and, and it keeps happening. And God doesn't stop it at that point either. And in fact, it's when, when Jesus rocks up on the scene, he comes and he goes into those very synagogues. He goes into those spaces that have been established to meet together. I think it's incredible that, that actually the people of God start gathering in those meetings, and God doesn't stop it. He doesn't say, well, you're not doing it just the way, because God's not about law. He's about relationship. And that's what these gatherings that we do are about. They're about relationship. They're about us meeting with one another and meeting with God. And so it's into those spaces that Jesus can come and that he starts to to preach and to to bring uh, what he does in those spaces. But they wouldn't be there unless the people gathered every week. You don't believe that Jesus went every week into the synagogue? Luke 4, verse 16 says this. He, being Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Let's just reflect on that for a moment. Jesus, the Son of God, had a custom, had a regular habit of meeting every week in the synagogue. Did Jesus need to go to the synagogue? Did he not know enough about God? Oh, that's right. He is God. Like, Jesus went there. And you could say, well, he went there to teach. Yes, he did that. But actually, I think Jesus went there to connect. He went there to connect with people, with the people of God. And I tell you what, if it's good enough for Jesus, I think it's good enough for us. I think it's good enough for me. He is, after all, kind of the model that we live by. He's the one that we try and emulate. And so if it says that he was a, regularly went every week to church, then I think it's good enough for us as well. But you see, Jesus doesn't just gather in that space. He gets these 12 dudes around him, and they hang out for like three years together. Like that's a pretty hard out gathering. Uh, like imagine if 12 of us was like, right, every, are we actually just going to meet every day? Every day for three years, and we're going to go around, and we're going to do ministry. And that's what Jesus did. That's, that is gathering together at a whole nother level. And then, of course, everywhere that Jesus went, crowds gathered. People came and heard and listened and learned from him. Everywhere Jesus went, people came together. Everywhere Jesus is, people come together. And it wasn't just Jesus who had this platform, had this um, this regular custom of going to the synagogue. We read in Acts 17, verse 2, As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. So we've got some pretty heavyweight biblical precedents here of people going and gathering every week. You've got Jesus, and you've got Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. Okay, so I think it's probably, that's a good biblical precedent for us as well, right? Yeah. Okay, so we've established biblically that it's an important thing to do. But, but why should we? What happens when we come together? 
I don't know if someone wants to turn the heater. Are you guys cold? There's a bit of a cold breeze somewhere. You want to turn the heaters up? That'd be awesome. Uh, thanks. Last week, it was so good to be here in the cool. And we went outside. I was like, I want to go back into church. Uh, it was too hot out there. Here's first reason. First thing that happens when we come together is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit happens. That's probably the major thing. The major reason we come together is that the Holy Spirit happens. The first ever church in Acts, we'll look at it. In, verse, in Acts verse 2, sorry, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There's a reason that the Spirit poured out on them. It's because they were all together, together in one place. And to understand their togetherness here, you kind of actually got to go back into Acts 1. Because in Acts 1, Jesus has ascended. He leaves and he says this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus leaves. And they're like, oh, he's gone. What do we do? Well, this is what they do. They go back to Jerusalem. And in Acts 1 verse 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. So Jesus leaves, but he says he's going to send the Holy Spirit. So instead of just waiting passively, they go and they meet together continually, constantly in prayer. You see, there's always a gathering before the gathering. Before you came here this morning, 9.15, there was a bunch of people gathered here for half an hour, praising and praying and setting a platform so that we could gather and we could experience God moving in our midst. There's always a gathering before the gathering. And I would encourage you, don't just come along and consume on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Come along and contribute. Come a bit early and come and pray. Add your voice, add your ways to our prayers. Because I'm convinced nothing's going to shift in our city unless we start praying. Nothing's going to shift in our world. It's all based on our connection with Him, on our prayer life. 9.15 isn't very early. I normally start work at 8 a.m. on a weekday. So how hard is it to get to church for 9.15? It's not. And yet there's something in their mind was like, oh, no, prayer meeting's just for the, for the hard outs or the people who are on, rostered on. I don't have to. I sleep in. No, no, no. The first church, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, before that happened, they met together constantly in prayer. And then... And then we go to Acts 2, and we'll read on from, from verse 2. It says, suddenly, so they're, they're all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Those are crazy scenes. Like imagine if all of a sudden the door flew open and a wind swept through this building and flames just started to appear on each other's heads. You'd be like, put it out. What's going on? This is crazy. And then everybody started speaking in a different language, like supernatural stuff. This is nuts, right? And of course, this has never happened. We read it looking back. We go, oh, yeah, we, yeah we've heard about that. But imagine being there in the moment. Imagine just for a moment. You would be freaking out. Been like, what the, what's going on? Is this what Jesus meant? 
Like, is this the Holy Spirit? Are we all going to burn? <laughs> is, is, what, is this eternal damnation or is this heaven come to earth? I don't know. When the Holy Spirit comes, God will do things in our lives that we don't expect. And that's good. We need to come with an expectation of something amazing. See, we don't know what the early church expected. They just knew that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And they kept praying and praying and waiting and believing for that to happen. Pentecost was actually just a, it was a, it was a festival, a Jewish festival. It was one of their regular festivals. We now know it as when the Holy Spirit came out. But before then, it wasn't that. And so they were just gathering together, and then the Spirit came. I was praying earlier this week, and, and God gave me a prophetic picture of, of what the gathering together of his saints looks like. It's in, a lot of you would have heard uh, this passage. It's in Ezekiel 37. It's, um, it's called, you know, the Valley of the Dry Bones. I haven't got it up on the, uh, the screen, but I'll read it to you. And then we'll unpack what, this, uh, what I believe this means for gathering. It says in verse 1, that the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise again. A noise, a wind, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath. From the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. You see, God showed me that the gathering together of his people is like those bones coming together, bone to bone, tendon to bone, muscle to tendon. Flesh being put on, skin being put on. That, that coming together, when we come together, is like those bodies coming together. And then at that moment, when we have come together, the breath of life comes. The Spirit of God breathes and we are changed. We are brought to life. But you see, that can't happen unless we come together first. We're still just a scattered bunch of bones until we come together and then the Spirit of God can breathe. And too many Christians are sitting at home watching sermons on their screen or they're not even at church at all. They're off at sports events or other things or doing stuff. And they're missing out on the coming together and the breath of God that wants to breathe on them. There's power in that. There's power in, and there is life in that. I don't know, but every time I, I leave church, I leave going, man, I feel alive. I feel something has shifted again. 
in my heart. When I finish e-group on a Wednesday night, the guys leave and I'm like, man, that was good. I feel encouraged. And I can't even, you know, articulate what it is. Maybe the stuff we've been teaching, I know that stuff, but there's something that's been instilled in my heart because we've come together and the Spirit of God has moved in that space. So that's the first and the most important thing that happens. When we gather, the Spirit of God moves. Number two is sharing and caring. Sharing and caring happens when we come together. Acts 2 is this amazing uh, passage in the end of Acts 2 where it just basically is a, a snapshot, a picture of the early church. And it says this in verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. All the believers were together. They came together, and because they came together, they realized, oh, that person needs some new clothes. That person needs a roof over their head. That person needs some food. That person needs whatever it is, and those needs were met. I sometimes wonder whether we don't meet together because we're worried about the cost. We're worried about what's going to be asked of us. We're like, oh, well, if I come, then I'm going to have to contribute. I'm going to have to give something. I'm going to have to... Yeah, yeah, you will. It's, it's the way it's supposed to be. And, and I think sometimes we just need to tune out that selfish voice that is actually the, the voice of fear from the enemy saying, oh, you know, you don't want to get involved. You don't want to have people know you because then, you know, you, you'll have to give. Yes, you will have to give because Jesus says it's far better to give than to receive. We like the sound of that, don't we? Oh, yeah, mm, yes, it's, it's better to give than to receive. But do we do it? Do we believe it enough to come and to contribute and to give? If that was true, then everybody would be on the roster. Everybody would be contributing. Oh, everybody would be giving to one another because it's more blessed to what? Give than it is to receive. You see, you'll never be in lack if you put God first. You'll never be in lack if you serve others because He's called you to. He will always pour out more into you than you pour out into others. Uh, what struck me about this passage, and kind of freaked me out a little bit, if you read it, it says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Like, I'm okay with, you know, if you've got a need, I'll give of the overflow of what I've got. Oh, yeah, mate, yeah, mate, and I, we can afford to give that person that. But to sell something to give to, oh, no, hang on. That's just a bit, that's a bit full on, Jesus. Come on, early church. Yeah, you're being a bit too crazy there. What if God told you, oh, I want you to sell your car so you can give someone something? I want you to sell that thing that is precious to you so you can bless someone else. Wow. There's, there's a cost. There's a cost to gathering together. But just as I said, when we give, we, we get back so much more. And when, we, when our lives become more, more deeply ingrained and enmeshed with one, one another, there's a, there's a richness that comes. It's messy, right? It's, it's messy getting to know people and, and having them you know, brush up against you and have their opinions, your opinions not always line up. 
But you see, the more deeply we connect with others, the more, more deeply we connect with God. And the deeper our roots go in, into this place, the, the deeper our, our hearts become, the, the greater our lives become. And we share one another's victories. Their victories become our victories. Their defeats become our defeats. Their challenges become our challenges. It's messier, but it's far more rewarding. So don't just rock in and out and kind of stay slightly connected, because that's what most churches do. But that's not actually the model that we've been given by God. The first church is out is a, is a little snapshot of what the church could be. It started off amazingly, supernaturally, and, it, and they were just so generous in that space. But we've kind of, as we like to do as humans, we've reduced it to, a, to an institution, just like, a, oh, it's a thing we do on Sunday. No, it's actually a people we belong to. We belong to one another, and we should be caring for one another at that level. So, sharing and caring. And that's, and that's why e-groups are so important. Because how many know you can rock up to church, be there for an hour and a half or so, and just you know, shake people's hands, have a coffee and leave, but not have a deeper connection. Not actually have anyone pray for you. Not actually share with one another about what's actually going on in your heart. What's actually, what are the fears and the struggles you have? That's where e-groups, I encourage you, get into an e-group. That's where that life can happen. That's where there's this time and space that you can be prayed for, that you can, you can encourage one another at a deeper level. Otherwise, you just will stay on the surface. Because as we grow, it gets harder and harder for us to connect. So we've got to, we've got to, Get into those gatherings outside of a Sunday. So sharing and caring happen. The third thing that happens when we gather is friendship. I love this. I love having friends in the church. Acts 2, 46 and 47, it goes on. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They continue to meet together every day. You don't have to meet together every day. It's okay. But there's something there that they were just in each other's lives. There's a, and the eating together, it's broken up into two things. There's the taking of communion, but also separate to that, there is the eating together. The NLT puts it like this. It says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. The message says, every meal is celebration, exuberant and joyful. I just get the sense that they just like having fun together. They just like hanging out and eating. Now, I know we're fasting, so if you're coming to my house today, you get soup. Uh, but <laughs> it'll be good soup. <laughs> but I, I just get the sense that they love hanging together. They love chilling. They love being together. And sometimes we don't... We don't uh, emphasize those less spiritual gatherings as, as much. And that's actually a fault of our culture in the West because our West is all, the West is all about achieving and less about relate, relating. And you, you go, to, you go to, to Africa or even just to Tonga, a few, um, you know, 100 k's away, and there's a lot more sense of just being together, just hanging out. It's not as driven and, and you know, I have to go to do this, do this job. And There's a coming together just to be together, just to hang out. 
And I, I tell you, that is just as spiritual as meeting together in church. Because God is about relationship. And we need to be relating to one another. So church on Sunday is important, but equally as important as the lunch you go and have afterwards. Or the barbecue you have tonight, if the weather's up to it. Or the, the, the coffee you have during the week. Or the, the e-group you meet with. Friendship. And finally, the fourth, the fourth thing that happens when we gather together is new people happen. We grow. The final um, bit in that passage of the early church in verse 47, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, when we gather, we give a place for other people to come into. We create an environment for other people to gather. If we didn't gather, they'd have nowhere to go to, right? You follow the logic there. So, so we need to come together to create those spaces. And those spaces always need to be looking out to gather people in. And so it's never just looking in and going, oh, don't we have a nice little gathering here? No, it's always looking out. Who can join us in our gathering? So we gather. It's good. What stops us from gathering then? If there's all these good reasons, what is it that prevents us? I had to think, I've got a few ideas. Firstly, I think wrong expectations. Sometimes we expect too much from church. Let me explain. Church is pretty simple, right? We do two fast songs, two slow songs, have a sermon, have some coffee, and you're out of here. Okay? It's, it's not rocket science. But sometimes we think, oh, man. All my needs are going to be met in this one moment. Yes, God can touch you in a moment and turn things around, but change happens in our lives gradually. So if you want to break it down percentage-wise, you could say, well, I changed 0.3% this Sunday, and next Sunday I'll change another 0.3%, and then next Sunday, and then, oh, but then I didn't go that way, so then I go backwards a little bit. And then I go another, and then I change a little bit more. It, it builds on itself. And so you think, well, that's not much change. But by the end of the year, you've changed like 10%. You've changed. And if you add that up 10 years' time, you're a completely different person. You're completely new, right? Because it happens incrementally. It happens gradually. And we need to realize that is how God changes us through this gathering, Sometimes we think it's all going to happen on one Sunday. Oh, it didn't happen all... Oh, I'm not going again. I didn't get completely... I still struggle with this. Well, guess what? It's a journey. And we need to just, just faithfully put one foot in front of the other and expect to change incrementally. And it will build and build one upon another. Especially, you know, we preach in series and, and we hope that these series build on each other and these concepts grow. Um, but if you, if you miss them, and that's the cool thing, we put them online, so if you do miss out, if you are away, you can, you can catch back up. But you see, there's a power in just being consistent, and we change over time. Some of the things that I think maybe stop us is, is fear. Like I said before, that, that fear of, of depth of relationship, of God's going to ask too much from me. He's going to require. Uh, no, remember, he, he loves to give good gifts to his kids, and he'll pour out far more into you than, than you give. I think apathy, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> sometimes we're a bit lazy. Uh, I think sometimes other priorities, 
because our culture around us, you've got to realize, our culture doesn't think church is a good idea. In fact, you tell people you go to church every Sunday, they think, why? That's, that's weird. Like, that's just an irrelevant hangover from unenlightened times, and we know better now. That's what the world thinks. We know better, but they don't. We know better. <laughs> we know better. We know the power in coming together. But the world thinks, no, no, that's just a waste of time. And that's why we have what we have in our Western society now. We, you know, Sunday trading, Sunday sports, Sunday events, Sunday fairs and fates, kids' days, sports days. So all the stuff that happens on a Sunday because the church, well, why, why would you do that? And we, we just kind of, if we're not careful, we just drift. We drift into thinking like the world. And we go, well, what's, what's so important about gathering together on a Sunday? You know, and we just drift away. We actually need to prioritize it. New Zealand's, one of New Zealand's greatest All Blacks is a guy by the name of Michael Jones. He refused to play on a Sunday. Refused to play any rugby on a Sunday. Now, that, that's a pretty full-on uh, call to make as a Christian. He's like, no, I'm not going to play. Did it hold him back? The thing is, his gift made a way. His gift made a way that he could do that and still become one of the greatest All Blacks ever and still be actually even more respected because of it. He, he's now Sir Michael Jones. Uh, and and, and he never, it never limited his opportunities. He still made the All Blacks. He still was one of the greatest All Blacks ever because he put God first. He didn't compromise. Sometimes I think we think, oh, oh, my kids are going to miss out. No, your kids are not going to miss out. They're going to miss out if they're not in church, <laughs> is what they're going to miss out on. You know, what, what, are you, what are your prayers for your kids? My prayer that, that they, they know God, they love God, and they're in His house every Sunday, meeting with, with uh, other believers. Because that's the best thing for my kids. We're just going to be careful that, you know, and I know sometimes there are, there are things that there's a tension there and you've got to kind of walk that tightrope. But I think often the enemy is just whispering to us. He's saying, oh, you don't need to come this week. You're too busy to go to an e-group. You don't need to do that. You need to spend some time just in the garden. You need to tidy that up. You need to do this. You know, your kids need to come first. He'll whisper these things. And we just got to be aware. So hopefully... Hopefully by this point, we'll address some of the, some of the things that, that may keep us from coming, from gathering in an e-group or a church or with one another. But I will, actually, I want to I make it easy for you. I want to make it easy. So I've got Dave's top tips for gathering. I've got some top tips. Who wants some tips on how we gather? Who's really warm now? I'm really, woo, the heaters have kicked in. Wow. Okay. Tips to help us together. Okay, here's, here's a few tips. Number one, make a pre-decision. A pre-decision. That's a decision you make before the fact. If you think on Saturday night, uh, I'll see how I feel on Sunday morning, then, then you've lost the battle, or you're very close to losing the battle. You're doing it wrong. Uh, actually, all these things that we put into our lives, they're disciplines. Actually, it's not complicated. We've actually got to go, you know what? I'm going to make a decision. Sundays, I'm going to come to church. And on Saturday night, I've made a decision. I'm going to do it. 
Because here's the thing. If you, if you decide to make a decision when the temptation is right in front of you, how many of you know you're going to probably go with the temptation? In the heat of the moment, it's not the time to make the decision. When you wake up this, this morning and the kids have been up, like, I was up until 10 o'clock last night. And uh, you think, oh, man, should I go to church? That's not a good idea. You need to make a pre-decision, okay? Seems pretty straightforward, but do we do it? Number one, make a pre-decision. Number two, I've talked about this already, contribute. If you're on a roster, you're far more likely to come, right? (laughs) And it's true because you made an obligation, but not just to the Sunday that you're on the roster. Because here's the thing, what you sow into, you have a vested interest in. So when you contribute, when you give to it, your heart is there in it. And you're like, yeah, I want the church to move forward. I want it to succeed. I want it to reach our city. I want it to, to be all that it can be. And so I, because I contribute, I own it. So I'd encourage you to serve in some capacity. It doesn't matter how or what. Just contribute in some way because then you will value it. The same goes for our giving, for finances. The, the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You put your treasure into the church. You, put, you give financially to it, and then your heart will follow. And you'll be like, yeah, I, I have a vested interest in that because I'm giving money to it. So give both time and money. Contribute, and guess what? You'll start to gather more. Number three, my, my third tip is to recognize the battle. See it for what it is. You getting to church and to e-group and to gathering with other Christians is actually a spiritual battlefield. It is, but we don't see it as such because the devil is so subtle. You know, there's actually a spiritual undertow that's always just pulling us away from one another, from connection. The, the way the enemy works is that he whispers lies and he isolates. Those are his two tricks. He will lie to you and he'll try and isolate you from other believers who can speak truth to you. And so, so you just got to be wise to that. So when you get up in the morning and you go, oh, no, nah, I don't need to go. Oh, or oh, e-groups tonight. Oh, yeah, but I've had a hard day. No, no, recognize the voice there and go, actually, is that God saying that to me? Probably not. Is that my flesh saying it? Probably. Is that the enemy? Possibly. And then, and then just listen to the right voice. You know what? No, I know this is important because I know the enemy wants to isolate me. He wants to draw me away. I know I need to press in. You know, there's a guy in my e-group. He doesn't even come to our church, but he's the most regular in our e-group. And I, and I know that he has made a predecision, and I know that he knows the, what goes on in his world. He, he struggles with depression, and, he, and so he's made a decision, oh, I'm going to be at e-group every week. Because I know the enemy wants to isolate me. I know that, that when I get in the space with other guys who encourage me, that my faith stays strong and I, my head is in a better space. He's, he knows that. He recognizes the battle that is there over his life. So many, and he's, not a, he's a fairly new Christian. There's so many Christians who have just become blasé about it. And they, don't, they don't recognize because the enemy has blinded you to it. He's just whispered his lies so long you start to believe it. Now, we've got to recognize the battleground. Actually, getting to church, getting to e-group, meeting with other believers is a spiritual battleground in my life. It's not just because Dave wants you in his church. It's because it will affect your Christian walk. 
it will, for the, for the good or for the evil, whether you gather together, it'll affect your relationship with God. It's as simple as that. So recognize the voices. And, and, and fourthly, I would say invite others. When you invite someone to come along, how many of you know, it's pretty rude if you don't turn up, right? <laughs> like, oh, you should come to my church. I was at your church on Sunday. Where were you? Oh, uh, um, yeah, gosh. You know, when we've got some skin in the game, we've got a vested interest in, in bringing other people into this space where they can meet with God, then how many of you know you're going to be here? And you're going to want it to be awesome. You're going to want Dave to preach his best ever sermon. You're going to want the worship to be amazing. You're going to want the coffees to be uh, exquisite. You're going to want everything to be great and people to talk to your friend because they've come for the first time ever into the house of God. So invite others. Can I just invite right now the, the band to come up? As I was praying through this sermon this week, I just got the, this idea around gathering and scattering. It's actually a very kind of biblical principle because often throughout the Bible, God gathers his people and then he scatters his people. And, there's a, and it happens multiple times. He brings people together and then like at the Tower of Babel, he, he scatters them. He brings them together and then, uh, you know, they start doing wrong things. So Noah builds an ark and then uh, they all die and then he scatters them again from the ark. Uh, and then just throughout the, the, the story of the, uh, um, the Israelites, there's a thing called the diaspora. It's like when they all are scattered everywhere, then they come together again. There's always this scattered. Jesus, he scattered. He said, 72 of you, go out, do this stuff, preach and, and do miracles and then come back together with me. And then he said that his final mandate for the church was go out into all the world. And then, of course, ultimately, we will come back to Him. There's this leaving and returning and leaving and returning and scattering and gathering and scattering and gathering. There's a pattern throughout the Bible. And my thought around that today is, okay, this gathering, it's great. It's awesome. But we only gather so we can scatter again. We only come together in this place so that we can go forth and be salt and light in the world and be gathering people back to this place again. So then we can scatter again. And each time we go in and we come out and we go in and we come out, each time hopefully we are growing a little bit more like Christ. And we are growing in number and we are growing in faith. So that each time we leave and we come back, we're changed. And I just wonder if you would, if you maybe stand to your feet with me just as we close. And I want to bring a challenge to you. Who are you gathering into this space? Who have you been called to scatter to, to go to? Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's your community around you. Maybe it's family members. Maybe it's a friend group. But you've been called to scatter from this place into their world. And then in a week's time, or maybe during the week in an e-group, you're gathering back, gathering them, drawing them with you into that space. I wonder if you could just bring to mind a person or persons that you need to be gathering back into this place. And we're going to pray for them in this moment.
Have you got someone? Cool. Father, we thank you for the power of gathering together. We thank you that when we do, your spirit moves in power. And Lord, we pray that your spirit will move in our lives to cause us to gather more people into this place. God, we pray for those people you've called us to go to, to scatter to. Lord, we pray for them right now. We pray for those friends, for those family, for those colleagues. God, we pray, Holy Spirit, you would give us the courage to draw them in. You would give us the words to encourage them. You would give us the heart to love them enough to pray for them and to invite them into an e-group or into a, out for a coffee or, or into this space on a Sunday, God. And we pray that in, in those steps of faith, Lord, there will be fruit. In that gathering back together, there will be life that your breath of life will breathe on those dry bones, which are those people, and they will come to life. In Jesus' name, we pray that for your glory and all His saints said, Amen. Because that's the beautiful thing when you gather them. They are like bones. They're broken and they're hurt. But when they come together and the Spirit of God breathes on them, they come to life. Just on Friday night, I love, I love Revo Youth. We had a girl who was there for the first time ever, and she's going this week up to the North Island to live. But she came with uh, her friends, Karakia and Nahuya, and she came and we, uh, I shared a bit of a gospel and um, we prayed for a couple of people. And after we'd prayed for someone, she said, oh, can you pray for me? I was like, uh, yeah, did you, did you get that stuff that I prayed for? for you before, uh, that, that I was sharing about before, about Jesus and how he came. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, do you want to receive Jesus? She said, yeah, can I? So, yes, you can. Just repeat this prayer after me. And I, I just took her through a prayer and then we laid hands on her and, and uh, Nahuya got to pray for her as well. And, and, and it was amazing. This girl who never, she said, I've never been to church. I don't really know what this is all about, but I want this. How cool is that? That was just two nights ago. You know, that can happen every week in this space as well. It's not just young people who are hungry for, for the spiritual things, for a touch of, of God. We need to be gathering, gathering. I just want to pray for one more group of people. If you're here and you've gathered here, but you know that actually the the the, the the greatest gathering isn't in your life. The, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit hasn't come into you. See, that's the beautiful thing with, with, if we think about that idea of gathering and scattering. See, God scattered Jesus down to earth. He released Him so that Jesus could gather us to Himself. And it was painful for Jesus to do that, to be separated from His heavenly Father. But He did it for us. He did it so that we can have relationship with God. And just with every eye closed and he bowed in this place this morning, if you're here and you you know that you haven't been gathered into the Father's arms, you haven't come into His presence and, and you're not in relationship with Him, then in this moment I want to give you an opportunity. Today's the day that you can be gathered to Jesus. So just with every eye closed, head bowed. If that's you and you want to come into relationship with God, just raise your hand. 
I'll see it and then we will pray together just like we did on Friday night for this young girl. And God will do something significant in your heart. Maybe you've done this before, but you know you've walked away and you want to come home. Today's the day. Is there anybody here? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, so you can raise your eyes. Look at me. Bless you, church. Let's gather together. Let's do it every week. Let's meet in e-groups. Let's go out for coffee. Come around for lunch. Come on, let's, let's gather because there is power in that. In Jesus' name, amen.